Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. I'm going to have the best time I can think of on this show. And I hope I hope that you'll stay with us for the entire time because we've got a tremendous guest, a global leader, and I do mean global leader, who has been working um in her life to do a bunch of stuff. She's a shaman. She has I gotta I gotta go through this real quick, just because um she has spent her whole life really developing her skills and and who she is and she's taken a bunch of classes and done a bunch of things she's a life purpose coach a transformational life coach a cognitive behavioral coach a confident life coach a confidence life coach an emotional intelligence coach highlight enlightened relationship coach law of attraction coach uh, forgiveness coach uh, master neuro linguistic programmer, NLP practitioner, a hypnotherapist practitioner, a Reiki practitioner, and a shaman. Holy Moses! And her name is uh, her name is uh, Roxanne. And I'm going to bring her on right now. I'm also going to bring on our friend who has been here, and then he had to go away and came up with something new. Um, Mitch, you're not frozen anymore. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, I hope to have no more issues. I apologize, guys. Thanks for uh, putting up with me here. But uh, thank you again, Kevin, uh, for having me. And uh, nice to meet you, Roxanne. Nice to meet you, Mitch. And thanks for having me here, Kevin. I'm really excited to have this beautiful conversation with the both of you. It's it's going to be amazing. Now, now did you hear, Mitch, all the things that she does? Yeah, he just caught, I just came in on you uh, reading them all off. That. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> I don't know when she has time to do anything else. Um, but uh, so, Roxanne, when do you have time to do anything else? <laughs> you know what? I always worked in executive position and I always just had this thirst for knowledge and to really understand things a little bit further. So I always did some educational component on the side. And, you know, during my lunch hour, anytime I could kind of fit in a little bit more knowledge translation, I would do so. So <laughs> I found the time by making the time. <laughs> and what was your initial motivation? What got you started down this path? Absolutely. Well, I always had this profound knowingness since I was a little girl that I was being called to serve humanity. And I never really understood what that looked like. And I can never fully express what it was, but it was just like this burning feeling inside of me saying that I was being called to serve. And I remember asking family and friends, like, do you have this burning feeling inside of you that you're being called to do something different? And they were like, well, no, like, I know I want to be a lawyer or a doctor. I was like, well, that's amazing. But it was something beyond that. And as a young child, I was always providing guidance to adults, to family and friends. Adults would seek guidance for me, even at like the tender age of five years old, asking me which life path they should take on, what I thought about, you know, a career move or a decision or a relationship that they were in. And my parents and those around me would always kind of refer to me as like an old soul, a wise soul. But I never understood that that was part of what I was going to be doing in terms of serving. And I went through life. I did everything that everybody else told me that I should do. You know, the societal pressures of going through the education system, getting a very lucrative career. And then I had my first near-death experience. And in that first near-death experience was like this moment of awakening. And it was me questioning you know, I'm such an optimistic and positive person. And I tell everybody that I'm great and that life is good, but is it really? And am I really great? And it really dawned on me that I wasn't in alignment with what I was set out to do because that feeling was still there gnawing at me, feeling like I was being called to serve, but I still wasn't answering that call. So then it really brought me into this beautiful you know, journey of really understanding myself and understanding my soul and self-mastery journey personal development, growing myself in ways so that I could expand and evolve. And I was driving one day and I just had this aha moment come over me. And it was like, 
you've been guiding people your entire life. I worked in the cancer center for over 13 years also, and I was guiding our palliative patients, even just like our patients that had more minute stages and they would come to me for guidance. And I wasn't the psychologist or the neuropsychologist or the social worker, of the program, but they would come to me for guidance and they would ask me, you know, or just want to share their whole story with me and have profound conversations with me. So when I was driving, I was like, I've been guiding people my entire life, but I've only been guiding those that have been coming along my physical path. Why am I not trying to serve at a global level? And then I was like, I need to open a coaching business. And then I was like, started to explore that. And then these certifications I didn't understand at that time were just in part of what my sacred purpose was going to be. But it was just to be able to really be there and to be present and to understand our emotional body, understand our intellectual body, understand our physical body and why we process things the way that we do and how we process our trauma, our wounds, our belief systems. I really wanted to understand all of these facets so that I could serve my soul clients as best as I could. So it was all about being able to serve and it wasn't about attaining something new. It was just so that I had that knowledge so that I could help them throughout that aspect of their journey. Because when I worked in healthcare for over 13 years, I've seen, you know, people go to therapy for years and years on end. And I'm going to say that they never healed from it. It was, they had beautiful coping mechanisms. They had a really good toolbox, but they weren't actually healing from the very thing that they were there for. And that really broadened, you know, my horizons of really seeking how do we actually affect true healing in someone. That's really a good story. Now, when you had your near-death experience, did you did you experience the other side and, and that sort of thing? No? No, not the first near-death experience. And I'm going to follow up by saying I had three other near-death experiences shortly after in a two-year span. And those near-death experiences were within a six-month span. So, and in one of those, I like I traveled, but I came right back. So I didn't see the afterlife, but I felt where I was being, where I was being pulled. But no, the first time we went over a cliff, we drove over a cliff. And I always had this dream as a young child that I was always falling off of a cliff and driving off of a cliff. And I never understood why I had this dream, but I'd wake up in a panic, you know, when your body's falling in a dream state, it's like that panic comes over you. And I'd wake up in this deep panic. And sometimes it was like I was falling in fresh water. Sometimes I was falling into this big dragon's mouth. Like it was just very scary as a child. And when it actually happened in person, I was like, oh, I guess that fear was gone now. But I mean, it was a very tumultuous thing that happened. But, you know, it was like that fear. You know, you lived it. You did it. You don't fear it anymore. So (laughs) and you survived it. So it was good. But it really shook me to my core. I think that when you're flying over a cliff, the only thing you can see is the life before you, your life flashes before your eyes. And you really understand in that now moment, what is actually important in life. It's not the success. It's not the dream job. It's not when I get this house, I'll be happy. When I have this, you know, healthy relationship, I'm going to be happy. It's what you have in that very moment. In that very moment, I had three beautiful children and it was about being present being their mother and being present for them. Mitch, have you ever driven off of a cliff? <laughs> no um, I, you know i don't know why i had to think about that i mean <laughs> i mean i've had some i don't know about depending on what you would consider a cliff but i don't think it's anywhere in uh in the depth that uh we're speaking about right now so no <laughs> When did it, I've always always wondered what is it like when you are when you recognize that you are about to go over a cliff and there's not a damn thing that you can do about it? What's that feel like? What is that? What what is that feeling like? Surrender, surrender, because you have no control. And this is a really great analogy for life because we do not have control over anything that is outside of us. And the only thing that you can do is surrender. Fighting against it isn't going to help. It didn't, it, it, it wouldn't have resolved anything. It wouldn't have made any impact or any difference. I surrendered and just trusted what was happening in that moment. It was scary as heck, but I was just able to be like, like I braced myself because I didn't want to go through a windshield, but 
Like it was just like the surrender, like it's happening. What are you going to do? You can't stop the momentum of a one ton vehicle landing on a frozen lake. Like there's nothing you can do to stop what's happening in this now moment. So what can you do either than just surrender to what's happening in that moment? Well, what I would do is first of all, I'd say it and then I'd do it. Um, (laughs) That's an old Bill Cosby line when he was normal. Uh, in, in, in any event. <laughs> and that's why we don't quote Bill Cosby. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. Can't, can't quote that guy anymore. It's, it really is a shame. So, Mitch, I, I want to present to you Roxanne because she is an amazing person that can... So, if during the course of this conversation, if you ever have uh, a thought that comes up in your mind that you would like to ask her a question about your life's direction or where you're going or what you want to do or any of that kind of thing, then feel free to to interject if 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 you'd like to. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I did. Def- definitely makes sense. Yes. So she does one of my favorite things in the world, and that is um, uh, hypnotherapy. And do you, how long have you been doing hypnotherapy? I've been doing it for about three years and, but hypnotherapy, I also do theta state healing, which is very similar to hypnotherapy. So as a shaman, as a, as a healer, medicine man, medicine woman, just so that people understand that when watching the show, that shamans are energy healers, energy doctors, we call them the spirit doctors or the medicine men and medicine women of their tribal communities. And when we bring them into a meditative state, which is called a theta state, we're able to retract memories. We're able to understand what's happening in the intellectual body, in the subconscious, in the hyperconscious, and in the soul conscious bodies of the soul memory, understanding what's actually happening. Where's this imprint lying? Where did this trauma happen? So it's really important to be able to understand that when you're working with someone, because if you don't have that knowledge as a client, you can't make a change. You can't shift without awareness. So it's very important that we bring that into perspective. And it just depends on the client. Some clients are very comfortable with going into hypnosis and some clients are more comfortable coming into a meditative state, which we call a theta state of healing in the brain. That you are pretty smart. I do have to say. (laughs) We're all smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now I've been taken under hypnosis and I've actually had what would be described as a past life experience. Now, whether or not that was actually true or not, because, you know, in the hypnosis, you don't go down so deep that that somebody can make you bark like a chicken. <clears throat> Although chickens don't bark. You know, I've discovered that. Um, so, they do Mitch, today. <laughs> apparently. Mitch, have you, have you ever gone through uh, hypnosis or anything like that? No, I haven't. Um, it, I've always had a lot of curiosity around it. Um, I've, I've, yeah, I've never got to that point where I've, I've actually reached out and done anything with it. I've had friends and family that have done it, whether it's hypnosis to try to like quit smoking or to break a habit or to do just like a, a spiritual type of cleanse. I did have a client, um, that, that she does that she's a hypnotherapist and, you know, I'd spoken to her and she'd gone to people's houses and she had, you know, she had a whole process and she very, very similar, but not, not, I don't know about quite on this level, this depth um, that we're talking about or not, but I, maybe I needed to ask more questions. I don't know, but <laughs> so yeah, no, I have not myself. No. It's an interesting process that you go through. Um, Roxanne, are you familiar with Dr. Uh, uh, Michael Newton's work? Mm, I'm a little bit familiar with him, but not overly so, no. He, he wrote the book Journey of Souls. And, it, it, and it's about taking people into very, very deep hypnosis. And then they have the ability to um, go through a past life and go through their past life of death and then go to the other side and experience some of the things that happen on the other side. It's a fascinating book. Yeah, I highly and, recommend it. And I actually do that with my work, right? We go through past life regressions, understanding their past lives, where they died in past lives, because a lot of our fears that we bring into this lifetime, and I mean, we can explore this and expand on this a little further, is a lot of those fears and a lot of those memories and a lot of those things in our behaviors, our triggers and activations actually come from previous lifetimes and not even just our previous lifetimes, but the generations before us within our lineages. 
So we do, that's why we have transgenerational healing. That's why we look at epigenetics. That's why we try to understand everything as a whole. And as human beings, we have this incredible, you know, this third helix of our DNA strand, which is our third DNA strand. We don't just actually have two biological DNA strands. It has now been confirmed through science that we do have a third strand, which is called our triple helix. And in this triple helix, we have our soul memory. So the reason why we have our soul memory is because as energetic beings, as we know from quantum science, measurable science, and through religious structures, knowing that we are energetic beings, and we know from science and religious, you know, structures that science never dies. So what that implies is that if energy never dies, right? If energy, knowing that we are electromagnetic beings, if we never die, that means that our energy has lived for countless of life cycles. It doesn't mean that we've come to this planetary system and reincarnated into this planetary systems countless of times, but it means that our energy has lived countless of life cycles. And that soul memory holds and stores that information and that expertise of everything that happened in those life cycles. You know, and to be honest with you, that's the only thing that, that makes sense to me. When you, when you ask the question, why am I here? What am I here to do? What am I here to learn? The only thing that makes any sense is, well, I'll give you an example, is that I, if this was my one lifetime, if this was it, this is all I got, then um, I would not be able to experience what it's like to be uh, a black woman from Nairobi or to be uh, somebody who, uh, a young boy or girl that was starving or or all, all of the, the myriad of things that we learn and experience here, I wouldn't get a chance to learn any of that stuff. And it's, isn't that, am I, am I, am I, am I just lost or is that kind of why we're here, do you think? Exactly. We're here and coming from the shamanism and what we believe in the terms of our spirituality and going through these journeys with my clients and myself as a, as a shaman, I've went through all these journeys myself to understand what these clients and what my clients go through. And when we do a death and dying ceremony and we go into the afterlife and we go into this beautiful structure where we actually build our next experience when we come into this life plane and not everybody believes in reincarnation. I personally do but it's not everybody's belief system. We get to choose the experiences and the contracts of everything that we want to learn in this now lifetime. So you may have already experienced everything else that you just mentioned, and that's why you don't need to experience it in this lifetime. Or maybe it's going to be coming in future lifetimes and future life cycles where you'll get to expand and learn that. We've came here to learn and experience, and we came here with a sacred purpose that is only gifted to us. It's special to us. It's something that we came here to explore and to be able to offer humanity in terms of our gifts and abilities. And that is the power about being a human being. And as many scientists have said, and as many researchers and authors have stated, is that we are human beings having, you know, we have this soul body. So we're literally soulful beings having a human experience. And that is exactly to what it is. So, Mitch, you look like you have a question. <laughs> <laughs> Do I? Okay. No, um, I, 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 maybe this doesn't pertain to this. I remember I spoke with somebody it was years and years back, and they had mentioned something to me, and, and, I, and maybe it doesn't. But have you ever – are you familiar with or do you ever speak to anything in regards to a fourth dimension? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We okay. talked about 4D, 5D. There's all the way up to 12D, 20D. There's oh, wow. different, okay. Yeah, there's different dimensions and densities. So, yeah. And I remember that being, uh, you know, trying to understand it. And it was, yeah, somebody had mentioned to me and was, and at first was kind of, we were joking about it a little bit, but then I, I mean, there's, it's a real serious thing. And I'm not familiar with any of the anything past that. I think that was where the conversation left off. But yeah, it, it sounded it, it when you started speaking about some of these things, it kind of triggered that conversation. I mean, we're talking you know, five, five, six years ago. So I don't I don't remember all the details of it. But um, but yeah, it was very interesting. I remember when I was when I was talking about it. 
Fourth so, dimension. What is that? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard this term of reference, but we've heard language around this as like the great awakening, the new earth being created. I'm sure that you've had some language around any of these topics. And what that really signifies is as we're coming into more of a 5D of how we're operating, what it really means is that our vibrational frequency is emitting at a different density and dimension. So where we weren't as conscious, right, where we didn't have as much self-awareness, we're coming into a place where we're discovering more self-awareness, more consciousness. And when we talk about consciousness, it's about self-awareness. It's understanding that everything around us is energy from the home that you live in, from the cell phone that you have from the computer that you're on everything has been constructed by mother earth or wouldn't exist in this planetary system therefore carries energy and frequency just like our thoughts just like our emotions so when we come into the state of consciousness we elevate our frequency we elevate into different dimensions and densities so that's how you get to the fourth fifth sixth seventh and eighth and if, if you were if we were to look at mankind in general the collective that we all are, where are we? Are we, have we got to the 3D yet or are we still stuck in the one and a half D? We're, we're at 3D and I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a slow shift to the 4D. I think that you can, just in your own personal connections around you throughout this um, you know, global shutdown that we had, how many people went inward, how many people had a lot of introspective thoughts like why am I here what is my purpose what am I doing with my life what is my priorities for my life and we're seeing that shift in thinking and when we expand our thinking when we don't come into this political correctness of our thinking and this hierarchy and this patriarchalness of our thinking we expand beyond that and when we expand beyond that that is when we start to shift so right now I would say we're between 3d and 4d in my personal opinion do we have a choice <laughs> or are we, or are we going, are we going all along for the ride or is it some of us that are taking the, um, the position that we are raising our vibration and we're doing that on behalf of the collective. Is that how that works? Yeah. And I think we're seeing that right as the collective expands, as we grow and as we elevate our consciousness, naturally the collective augments itself. And it's not to say that everyone's going to, you know, come into their state of consciousness. It's, it's like predicted that a lot of people won't awaken to what's happening, but a lot of people will be, you know, they'll have an idea of what's happening, but they won't understand that that consciousness is actually within them. So what happens with that, even though that you have all like say 80% of people that are conscious, you still elevated the frequency and the like the density of the earth plane. You still right now we're very in our masculine energy, very about construct, monetary systems, you know, government systems like uh, work, like push, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle mentality, burnout, burnout, burnout. Well, that's masculine energy where the feminine energy is coming in. And as a human being, we all have a masculine and feminine energy, just like we have a light and a dark energy within our entity. So when we're seeing here and as people are awakening to their gifts and coming into their creative senses, we're seeing this shift come in as the feminine energy is coming in and the masculine and then becomes like a beautiful harmonic flow because you need that duality. You need the polarity of it. But right now we don't have a polarity right now. It's mainly in the masculine energy of the push, push, push construct mentality. So we're just starting to see the shift where people are taking autonomy over their own life. They're taking that sovereignty and their power of choice. They're starting businesses that they never like they never anticipated or thought they were going to start because they're following their knowingness. They're following where they're being guided because they know that they are not fulfilled in this now moment in what they're doing in this moment. Relationships are changing. And I'm sure you saw that through the pandemic, through your own connections, how many relationships dismantled in front of you. Because people are realizing that it's not serving them. It's not what you can't, you can't ignore it anymore. Once you're aware of something, once you have that understanding and that knowledge, you can't unknow something. Exactly. And Mitch, I got to ask you, because I haven't asked you this yet. And we're, we're, our relationship is just on, on its, on its beginning stages. And um, um, so there's lots of questions I have for you that I don't know the answer to, but one of them, which is, have you ever said to yourself, why am I really here? What am I here to do? 
Yeah, I think I think anybody, I think everybody has that. When that happens um, is different for everybody. I think I've asked myself that question several times over the years. Just and that is that that um, you know time that I'd say where it's you know you're collecting yourself and you are reevaluating, and it also it, I think it does create you're creating an awareness around yourself, you know. And yeah, so yeah, I've definitely asked that, you know, what, you know, what, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Um, as, as, as a self thought direction for myself, I guess you could say, but yeah, no, it's, I've, I think many, many times from when I was young, all the way up until now, I've, I've definitely had those thoughts for sure. And Roxanne is one of the things that she does um, most appropriately and really well is to help people find themselves and to find out what that identity is. Am I, have I misstated that at all? No. And every client that I work with find their purpose. And the reason why we do that is because we deconstruct these, these buildings and these foundations that really weren't ours. And when we start constructing this dream house and this foundation that really is ours, it shifts a lot of things. And as shamans, for me in my practice, I like to bring them through journeys to find their purpose. When you connect with divine intelligence and with, you know, God, source, universe, whatever that may be for someone, when you connect with that and you get the information translation of what you're intended to do and what sacred purpose was put inside of you, that is the most powerful thing that you can have because all of these questions that you once had, you know, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing here? Like, some people feel like they were just born in the wrong timeline. Some people feel like they don't even belong in the communities that they're in or in the family dynamics that they're in. But it's to understand that nothing was created by mistake. Everything is created by design on purpose. And in shamanism, what we believe is that 80% of our life is predestined, but 20% is free will. And a lot of people might believe that 100% is free will or 100% is predestined, but we believe that we still have the power of choice. We're given a choice on a daily basis to either go down this path or that path, but at the end of the day, we still have a destiny to fulfill. When you, when you say to yourself, why am I really here? And what am I here to do? And how am I going to contribute? Is that the beginning of making the, of that change happening at the at, at its core? Absolutely, because when we have curiosity and we give ourselves time and space to discover that and not feel shame and guilt for exploring that, for saying, you know, what's happening in my life right now just doesn't feel in alignment. That is the most powerful thing that you can do for yourself because you're coming to a place of recognition. You're coming into a place of awareness where you're ready to make a shift for your life. And it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing. It doesn't mean that you're going to be serving at a global level, but maybe you're supposed to be working with agriculture. Maybe you're supposed to be working with animal kingdom. Maybe you're supposed to be making music. Maybe you're supposed to be painting, right? We get all of these little puzzle pieces throughout our journey in the careers that we have, in the family dynamics, the relationships that we have. And we have all of these teachings and these learnings of wisdom that we've attained from every single thing that happened in our life. And these are the little puzzle pieces that we, we put together and we create this bigger vision. And that is what life is meant to be. So if we're leaning in with curiosity and we're not leading our life by being ego-led, we're leading our life by being soul and intuitively led, that becomes such an empowering place instead of a place of disempowerment where we're living out of fear, scarcity, and lack to not want to make a shift in our life because we're scared of the unknown. When in the reality, we've never known what the future holds. Nobody does. And we've lived every moment and we've looked at it and we viewed it as milestones. As babies, we didn't know how to crawl. We began to crawl. Then we began to walk. Then we turned our sweet 16. Then we went off to school. Then we, you know, maybe got bought a house and got engaged and got married and had a lucrative career. They were all considered milestones, which we didn't fear because it was our perception and our perspective of how we viewed it. And that's how we have to view change. Change isn't scary. It's just when we let the ego run and drive the car, right? Drive our being, that's when everything becomes scary because it's doing its job in trying to keep us safe because that is the brain's mechanism is to keep us safe, but it's doing its job too well. 
So when you are have that discussion with yourself and you say, oh, is this all there is and what am I here really to do? And then you pay attention. In, in, at least in my case, it started out with I met these certain people right right after, the, the day of, in fact. And that one of those certain people determined that why don't we do a radio or a television show, which turned into a radio show. And then my job changed and and KKNW changed the format and it all worked like perfectly. I didn't do any of it. It just showed up. Is that how it happens? That's exactly what happens. And that's what we call divine timing. And divine doesn't mean that, you know, it has to be tied to a religious structure is that everything happens in the time and the due process that it's intended to. And this is the thing about the masculine energy that we're in in this now moment is that everyone is pushing and in this hustle mentality, you know, you look at most business and entrepreneurs and it's like, it's like a market. It's like a, you know, like think about those old, olden day markets, like here, 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 I'm selling, 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 push, 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 push right in your face where it really needs to be that the people that are going to be drawn to you are going to be naturally drawn to you because that's part of their soul design. When we release that need of control, when we go into that state of trust and surrender, we're actually able to receive the reciprocity, the law of reciprocity. When we talk about the laws of nature, those are the guiding principles and the universal laws. So it's not the law of attraction. It's also the law of reciprocity that we can actually receive the things that we want to. So by not creating a forceful action, which you didn't do, right? You just allowed things to happen as, as they were intended to. And look what happens. That's what happens. Miracles happen on a daily basis. It's us that gets in our own way of them actually occurring. Boy, uh, Amit, she's pretty smart, isn't she? There's a couple of words I'm going to have to write down and go uh, look up later. <laughs> Just, just to make sure that I, that I completely understand what's happening. No, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sucking it in as much as I can right now. I'm a sponge. It's, it's, it's well, I got to tell you, I've been doing this a long time, and she is one of the most gifted uh, people that I've ever met, who can talk in terms of how, why we're here, what we're here to do, and in terms of universal energy and all of those things. And you're, you're just really gifted at this. You've been doing this, and you've really have made it your life work and you are you are phenomenal and so i want to thank you for that well thank you but you know it, it really isn't it's just part of my sacred purpose just like you all have your gifts and abilities that are incredible and i wish that i you know had a little bit of that also so it's just what was part of my purpose here was to be able to help with this global shift that we're seeing in this now moment yeah, so so Mitch, you know, you came onto this radio show, and it just kind of, it just sort of happened, and and maybe it was the part of your destiny. What do you think? Uh, you know what? I would say that you are right, Kevin. Uh, you know, it it, it did kind of happen. It's always you know doing things like this, and we've talked about a lot of different things. Always been something that I'd say more the last year, two years that I've been looking to get involved in. I have a lot of things that. Um, I'm trying to put out there, you know, similar to what you've, you've, you've built and I'm super happy to be a part of it. But yeah, I do look at it as like, wow, that, you know, this is just was kind of meant to be, if that makes sense. I, th I think really, honestly, everything was meant to be. And if, if do you agree with that, Roxanne? Absolutely. And I think that when we force something, that's when it's not meant to be because it never pans out. But we do have a learning and we do end up attaining wisdom from it. But the things that are truly meant to be is some it's a resonance that you just feel. You can't explain it. It's a full knowingness. And as a spiritual leader, it's really important, you know, as I mentor other, you know, upcoming spiritual leaders is that don't take what I say as your truth. Take how you feel in the words that I say and how they resonate with you as your truth right? Because that is the power of what it is. And when we can come from a place where we can just feel in the presence, our energy receptors are incredibly accurate. And I don't know if you guys know this, but we actually have four brains and this is scientifically proven. And one of our brains, and actually they just discovered a fifth brain in our heart, but we actually have a brain in our gut and our gut is known to actually make more concise decisions than our actual logical brain in, in, the, in our skull. So to know that when you can go into that state of feeling, 
why you're being drawn or why you're being pulled to something or why you landed on some podcast or why you landed, you know, on someone's website, nothing was by mistake in terms of that. But if you're forcefully seeking something, then it becomes something different because that's a forceful action and it's not in alignment with you. And whenever we are in that forceful state, that's when we don't receive that reciprocity, kind of what we were referring to a little bit earlier. Is that where the saying comes with go with your gut? Go with your gut, literally. <laughs> Did you ever not listen to your gut? Oh, man, there's so many things to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I've re I relied it. You know, you have all these things like, should I, should I not, should this? And then, yeah, you always think about it, go with your gut. And I, I guess I never really thought past the saying, but when you, when you're talking about that, I was like, okay, all right. It makes a little, little sense now. Yeah. Have you ever left your house and while you're getting, while you're leaving your house, you have a thought that says, don't forget your cell phone. And you say, eh, I'm just going to the store, sit down the street. I don't need my cell phone. So you leave without your cell phone, then you get into an accident, and then you don't have your cell phone. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? That's what happens. <laughs> so we have to listen to that intuitive knowingness because that intuitive knowingness is always connected to divine and infinite intelligence and to the quantum and the holographic fields of everything around us, right? Just because we don't see it doesn't mean that it's non-existent. Just like our cell phone frequency and the radiation from our cell phone, we don't see it, yet we know that the signal is coming to the phone. The same thing happens in the energy grid that surrounds us. So people that are psychic or mediums or they, they utilize that energy, they're not crazy. Um, and that it is a real thing that, that science is not quite yet to embrace. Is that right? Quantum science has really started to explore this and they are affirming a few things. Measurable science is a little bit different, but I mean, spirituality has been around for over hundreds and thousands of years since the beginning of men. So I would tend to believe more spirituality than science, but I know that some people are very scientific and need that measurable, you know, that quantifiable aspect to really believe something, that factual aspect. But when we think about love, when we think about feelings, you don't see love right? You just feel it. You feel the emanation of love. You can feel someone's love coming towards you by their actions and just by their energy, their presence. So that already right there just speaks so much volumes. So when people have, you know, clairaudience, clairvoyance, and I'm not going to say that everyone is what they say they are, just like you don't always have good doctors. There's bad doctors. There's, you know, there's excellent doctors and there's mediocre doctors. The same happens within those gifts and abilities also, right? So I think that we've just, we tend to negate that. But when we really actually think about our brain capacity and what we have the potentiality to understand is that we all have clear gifts. We all have telepathy. We all are able to understand and feel things. There's just blockages that are happening that we can't actually feel them within our receptivity. So for people that are more empathic, um, they feel things through their own filter system. So if I feel sadness right now, if I was with someone that was empathic, they would feel those exact emotions, those exact emotions would mimic within them. So there's differences on the sensitivities and how people are gifted. That's, a, that's really cool. Miss, do you know who uh, um, John Edward is? Mm, the name sounds familiar. He did, he did. He was a. He's, he is. He's not gone. So he's still here. He's yeah. a psychic medium, and he did uh, shows like Crossing Over and and several other shows. Okay. I, yeah. and, and I had him on my show one time. Well, first of all, let, let me preface this by saying I had a conversation with a very scientific person, and she was really grounded in in traditional science. And I mentioned John Edwards' name, or John Edwards' name, and she said. Uh, He's a fake. And I said, oh, really? And she said, yeah, they, they all use uh, cold readings and they, and they all use information that they gather on people and so forth. And that's how they do the readings that they do. And so I had the opportunity to have John Edward on the show. This goes back two years. And uh, he's in New York. 
I'm in Seattle. At that time, I didn't know how many people were going to be listening to be able to randomly call in. So I set it up so that I could have three or four or five people lined up that they could get a reading from John Edward because that's what he does because he was going to come to Seattle. This is right before COVID happened. And he was going to come to Seattle, and, and so we were going to promote him. And um, so the first person that I had call in was my sister. And so I knew her story as well as she did. And John was, uh, like I said, in New York. And so he tuned in to her energy. And if you have a question about that, Roxanne can explain how that works. And uh, he tuned into her energy and started talking about our grandfather and how he died and my other grandfather and how he died and my my um my uncle what happened to him and then he then he said you know by the way may is a very important month for you and and she said well my birthday's in may and my two grandchildren were born in may and my daughter was born in may and so and then, then he said, R is another is a letter that's very important to you as well. And she said, well, I have, my brother's name is Randy. And he's, and she failed to mention the fact that her husband's name is Roger. Um, and so R was a very important thing. So he got a bunch of stuff correct that I knew was correct. And, but, and I also knew that there was no way that they'd had any communication at all. Roxanne explained that to me. How was that possible any other way? It isn't. And I mean, like I said, you're always going to have those that are a little bit um, questionable, and then you're going to have those that are really outstanding. And when we don't understand something, we tend not to believe it, but it's when we don't understand something that we should lean into it with more curiosity and understand why that is the way that it is. Because as a healer and as a shaman, what I do is I also have mediumship gifts and clairvoyancy and clairaudiency where I'm able to see those that have passed because I cycle pump them from an aspect of the middle world, what we call it, and I bring them across the veil. So for me, it's very important to believe in those gifts because everything that happens around us, everything that is constructed within our imagination is our actual reality, is the dimensions of our reality. Everything that is forceful, that is within the ego, that's just part of our ego, you know, having visions or having dreams, different types of dreams. So when we understand that our emotion is actually in our imaginations or actually our reality, it creates such a beautiful matrix because the unseen world is unseen, right? It's not something that we see with the focused eye, but when your eyes become unfocused and you become intuitively connected, you can see presences, you can see, you know, shapes, you can see things that happen, you can see different spectrums of light. And as you elevate your frequency, you can see different spectrums of light and you're able to see things and understand things that you just quite like, you can't really fathom because it's so out there. And I remember my first, you know, medium experience, I was at my massage therapist, my first time ever meeting her. And I was laying on her table and I could just feel this presence in the corner. And it kept showing me a man like in my vision, in my receptors was showing me this man. And he was in the corner and he was like, he's like, tell her that I'm her father. And like, um, he was telling me how he passed, how he passed of cancer and all these things. And I was so apprehensive to say anything because I'm like, she's going to think I'm woo woo. Like she never met me before. And I'm like, Hey, you know, like, you know, this dead guy that's talking to me right here, you know, like, and it never happened to me. So I was kind of questioning it a little bit also. And I was apprehensive. And I just said, you know what? I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say something. I said, this is going to sound really bizarre, but I just need to, to be able to express it. And she's like, yeah, for sure. And she was very open. I said, did your father pass away? And she said, and then she started like, well, I can hear her welling up as she's giving me my massage. And she's like, yes. And then I started describing the man that's in this corner. And she's like, that's my dad. That, that's my dad. And I said, did he die of cancer? And she said, yes, he died of cancer. And I said, okay. I said, he's worried right now. I guess um, he's showing me your mother. And she's like, yes, my mother is very ill right now. And like, we're not sure like, what's going to be happening with her. And I was like, okay. And like, I didn't really have much more to say after that, but I was like, oh my goodness. 
And then it just started happening over and over again. I'd be getting an ultrasound and all of a sudden, like the ultrasound tech, I'm like, hmm, like, I don't want to ask her, like, this is kind of awkward, but I'm like, do you have a grandmother that passed, you know, <laughs> like, because you're apprehensive because you don't understand. But when you start exploring it and then you get these affirmations, you're like, that's bang on. You're like, okay, like, it's not just something that's in my head. I'm actually being shown something and that's how it happens. Mitch, have you ever had a uh, psychic reading done for you? I no, I have not. I have not. I'm sorry. I keep answering no to all these questions. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is a really good thing because it it opens up a whole myriad of things and and possibilities for you. I have been witness to probably I, gosh, three, four, five hundred readings. In the, in the, my time on the various radio shows with the various guys like John Holland and and John Edward and and others, and and stuff, and I firmly believe them to be absolutely true. Now, Roxanne is absolutely right. There are it just like there are baseball players, and then there are great baseball players, um, and there are guys that can't hit above the Mendoza line, which is like 190 and and stuff like that. So th- it's, we all come with our various gifts. Um, but my question for Roxanne is, do you have to set it up? Can you do spontaneous readings? How does it work for you? It usually just depends on where I tap into the energy. I never actually try and intentionally go into someone's boundary. I'm very respectful of people's boundaries. I don't try and overstep. But if I can sit with it for a little bit and just like connecting and understanding a little bit more of the person's story, all of a sudden it just things start appearing for me. Oh, really good. So when we do the radio show on Friday, can we do any readings or would that be, is that setting it up and providing too much pressure? Yeah, I think like more, I can do more energy readings, um, really understanding like their current life. But to say that like a past one will come through for me, it's not always like just when I want it to happen. I'm not that, like I'm not an expert in that way quite yet. It just happens, but it happens for me. So, but energy reading, yes. Like that's part of what I do. Definitely can read energy, read, you know, their, their soul design and understanding like their life and, and whatnot. But psychic is like our mediumship. It's like, it comes to me when it comes to me. It's not something that I'm ever forceful with. Now, now, Mitch raised his rather than his hand. He raised his finger, so it's kind of. I feel like that's the polite. It's the polite <laughs> way to do it. I don't know which one looks better. Um, no, I had a little break in internet connection. I'm not sure if you said this, but I did have a question, and 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 it kind of pertained to what Kevin asked: is Are you a, is is the readings and the things that you do? Do you offer that? Is that something that you can do virtually? Um, through this, I know, I mean, we, we, you talked about energy and you talked about all these things. Is it something that you really, you need to be or with somebody next to them? Like you'd mentioned the massage thing and stuff like that. And be able, are you able to, you're able to do a virtual, you know, with somebody zoom or whatever, it may be something like this, it's video and you're able to, I guess, feel, see, uh, communicate or, you know, however that may be. So I, I was curious about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a lot of seer capabilities also, but um, in the shamanic world and what we call like the type of healer that I am, I'm called a void healer. So I, I have all the gifts that most shamans like they specialize in. I have a little bit of all those gifts. So what ends up happening is I'm having a session or I'm working a, like I do a lot of energy healing, a lot of like soul regression, karmic cord releases. I do energy extraction, soul retrievals. And when I do that work, sometimes the loved ones come, right? Their ancestors will come and they'll be present. And I will just let them know that they're there. And my clients are like, they know how I am now. And they're like, okay, like, just tell me everything, you know, like everything that they're saying. So it just depends. And for some clients, the ancestors don't come through and it's just their past life self comes through and I'm able to understand what their past life was. But the thing about what I'm really able to visualize and really where my specialty is, is that when I sit with a name and a little bit of context, like when I just meet someone and if they ask me to do like a reading on them of like why they came into this planetary system, I'm literally able to understand and to give them an exact outline of why they're here, why they had to go through the wounds, why they had to experience maybe 
you know, um, an absent father or anything like that, I'm able to understand everything a little bit more in a higher context. And the way that it gets channeled to me is in a higher context, but it gets channeled to me and I get like a vision of like what they signed up for in this lifetime. So those are the types of readings that I will do for clients too. And people I just meet. I wish we had more time because it would be fun to make Mitch squirm a little bit. Oh no. <laughs> Kevin loves to do that. <laughs> Just throw me these curveballs. I, I am, am and I do do that. Yes, I do. Um, and yeah, like if someone's respect, like I always ask, like what ends up happening is usually like after I connect with someone, like even on a podcast, eventually I'll just get like this, like this knowledge translation come to me. It's like this channeled information and I just write it all down because like it won't, it won't stop until I do. And then I asked the person, I said, listen, this message came through. Um, it just explains a little bit of what you need to release in order to grow a little bit more and to expand. And then as soon as I send that to them, like with their permission, they're like, oh my goodness, like, whole, like, how did you know this? Like, this is bang on. Like, thank you. It was like that affirmation that they needed instead of wondering what they needed to fix or what they needed to adjust in their life. It was like, it was concrete. It was there and it resonated with them as their truth. So that's the most powerful thing about the readings. Wow. Well, I'm sure looking forward to having you on the show on Friday as well. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we've got a show to do, Mitch and I do, coming up in uh, five minutes. <laughs> and so we're going to have to. So if somebody would like to find out more about you and to work with you, Roxanne, is, And you pronounce your last name again? It's French. It's Chepi. <laughs> And I didn't want to say that because I knew I'd screw it up. Um, That's the way to go. <laughs> from Canada, correct? Yeah. From, I'm actually from the U.S. I'm born okay. in Colorado, but I live in Canada now. Yeah. I picked up on a little, some little Canadian accent. Some little A's there. there. <laughs> your little boots and your little D's. <laughs> I came from Hans to A's and it all changed. <laughs> Is there anything, Roxanne, you'd like to add before we go? Yeah, I just would love to say, obviously, thank you, uh, Kevin, and thank you, Mitch, for just having this beautiful conversation. And for the listeners, is just to really follow your truth and follow where you're being guided. You need to believe in yourself because the information is there and is just waiting to be absorbed and to be lived by. So just, you know, trust yourself and keep it real. <laughs> One of my favorite words is trust. Yeah. You know, so we're going to see you again at noon Pacific time on Friday on KKNW 1150 AM. And I want to thank you. And thank you, Mitch, for putting up with my silliness. <laughs> of course. It's thank always you. a pleasure. And Roxanne, super nice to meet you. It was, it was a lot of, I, I still have questions, but <laughs> <laughs> I, lo I love it. I love it. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much. So if you wait right there, we'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.